0: This is episode 233, recorded on Sunday the 23rd of December 2018 at 23.56.30. I'm recording a little later than I had expected to, on the eve of Christmas Eve. We are so near Christmas now. And I have a special treat for you today. It's something I've promised to do for quite a while. And while we aren't venturing to Altair, or Alpha Aquilae, the honorary home of this podcast, we do tend to talk a lot about space, because 50% of this podcast is about technology. The other 50% is culture. And space exploration is one of those subjects that combine the two. We have the appliance of science, i.e. technology, and the human culture's ingrained need to explore. So I thought, why not devote an entire episode to the subject of space? and a summation of recent space news I have found fascinating, and hopefully you will too. Just before we start, bear in mind that my descriptions of some of the images I'm going to be talking about, or that you may see for yourselves from pictures on the internet, are based on interpolated Algorithmically generated, false color-coded, or in some cases, an artist's impression. And thus, are probably not what you'd see using the naked human eye. So, let me see. Around the desk, I have a chilled Diet Coke. I have the mic lowered to a comfortable height. I'm not standing up today just too tired to stand up, and it's much easier seeing the show notes from this position. Let's start off with a very recent event, the event that on the 20th of December set me on the path of doing this episode mainly about space exploration, and that was NASA publishing a beautiful image of a supernova remnant with the slightly less poetic designation EW0102-72.3. They published this image to Twitter, and it immediately got my attention. The remains of this supernova was discovered some time ago, and is located in the nearby small megalanic cloud galaxy. This new image was taken on the 17th of December by the Chandra X-ray Observatory. This craft is in a high orbit above the Earth so that it can be free of the Earth's X-ray absorbing atmosphere. The image is important because the blue And purple colour x-rays confirm that most oxygen in the universe comes from stars. Let me try and paint you a picture with words. I have the NASA image in front of me, up on my computer screen, right next to my notes. It shows an incredibly busy star field, really dense with... Stars of all different colours. I can see orangey-yellows, cold blues, greys, browns. To one side, in the lower right, there's a greenish, misty, yellow cloud shape. And in the centre is the object of interest. Which looks like a mottled blue, yellow, and some kind of dark stripes in a donut formation around a reddish border and then a chaotic squiggle of blue and pink and the stars behind the formation. It's extremely pretty, and I'm sure a lot of work went into making this, but as I said at the top of the show, how much of this is what you would actually see with your feeble human eye is questionable, but it's certainly worth seeking out, and as with everything this podcast. The link is in the show notes, though the link may be in a blog post soon to make it much easier to access the show notes. Let's move on to the next thing now, and that is Mars's Korolev crater. On the same day, the 20th of December, the European Space Agency published a high-resolution image of the spectacular 82-kilometre-wide Korolev water ice crater. They put this image together from data returned by the Mars Express probe on the 4th of April. And again, I'll try and describe what I can see. Our viewpoint is that of an approaching bird, probably in the spacesuit. (laughs) Yeah, I'm only joking. It is a wide crater that rises from the surrounding Martian plain. The plain is a light brown, a bit darker than tan. And fairly featureless. It's not completely flat, there are jagged bits, but it's not a dramatic landscape. Then we have a relatively sharp slope, and then a gentle slope on the other side, dipping into the crater with fluffy, white-looking water ice. On the left side of the crater, the ice or snow comes down the side of the crater. On the right, it seems fairly free of ice. I wonder if you could ski down that crater side. (laughs) Or maybe toboggan? I can toboggan. I'm not very good at skiing. Or snowboard. At the very least, you could probably make quite a respectable snowman. Let's move on to our next item, which is more of the human interest variety. And this is our final news from the 20th. And that was that German ESA astronaut, ISS Commander Alex Gerst, landed in Kazakhstan. He was returning from his six-month Horizons mission. I included this because there is a little bit of cultural trivia as well. The look and the character of Alex Vogel in The Martian was based on Gerst. And I've had a look at a picture of both the chaps. And they do look very similar. They both have rather striking shaved heads and beards. (laughs) So, yeah, a bit of pointless trivia for you. Okay, since we started with the latest news, let's keep going in reverse chronological order. And next we have something from the 17th of December. When JAXA, the Japan Aerospace Exploration Agency's infrared camera equipped satellite, Akari, discovered evidence of water on 17 asteroids. This time we have been supplied with an artist's impression of the spacecraft, Equipped, according to the description here, with a near-infrared spectroscope. On the left we have Akari, with the sun behind it, and then a field of small objects that look like scattered bits of broken biscuit. Why did I say that? I'm probably hungry for cookies now then there's a larger asteroid at the far left of the picture, and behind the sun there's also a ribbon of asteroids, and that picture can be seen on the JAXA site, and again, yeah, it's in the show notes. Let's move on to the 11th of December, when two Russian cosmonauts on the International Space Station went EVA to investigate a hole in their Soyuz spacecraft that caused a leak on the ISS. When they examined the holes, they discovered what appeared to be holes made by a drill. This Stirred up a lot of faintly ridiculous speculation that it was sabotage, but that was quickly dismissed by Roscosmos. There is no official report yet, but it looks like human error. Next, let's journey to the far side of the moon. On the 8th of December... China National Space Administration, CNSA, successfully launched the Chang'e-4 solar probe. The craft is on its way to the far side of the moon to land a rover in January, which is carrying, amongst other experiments, a low-frequency radio telescope. Now, because it is on the far side of the moon, its position means that it is free from the electromagnetic interference of the Earth. And that means that it can listen deeper into space. If you look at my Twitter feed, you'll see a retweet of an artist's impression of their rover. It's just a typical rover with those skeletonized four wheels, then a box shape, and on top of that a flatter panel, and to either side of that flatter panel there are two solar panels, I'm assuming, and on top of the platform bit there is a satellite aerial, and then there is some other type of gubbins just behind and above that satellite aerial, which I suppose could be sensors, cameras, something like that. Oh, and the rover is on a grey landscape strewn with little rocks. There are some low-lying hills behind it. Three, from what I can see. The sky is dark. Although this is an artist's impression, and I'm assuming if it's on the dark side of the moon, there will be very little to see. Which brings me back to the gubbins on top of the rover. Perhaps it's a panel of lights? Now, let's move on to something else. Africa. All this international news, but what of Africa? Did you know that the African Union is planning a United African Union Space Agency? Many African countries have their own state space programs. And last year, Ghana launched a student-developed remote-sensing CubeSat, that is a small cube-shaped satellite which usually costs a lot less to build, called GhanaSat one And what else? Several African nations, including Kenya, my own Mauritius, And South Africa are taking part in the construction of the Square Kilometre Array, the SKA. Hey, SCAR. (laughs) When it is completed, it will be the largest radio telescope on the planet. So the large continent of Africa isn't completely left out of space exploration. I think that this human space race between the two remaining major superpowers of China and America, who both have their sights set on putting humans on the moon and Mars, although my money's on China doing it first, is pretty great, actually. And even more ambitiously, and of course very widely publicized are Elon Musk's SpaceX and Jeff Bezos's Blue Origin private space companies who are both in a race to establish colonies on Mars which brings me to something that we talk about quite often in the podcast and although it is nice to hear that space operations seem to be ramping up I do wish governments weren't quite so reliant on private industry. It's not that I have anything against private industry, it's just that putting the future of colonisation of Mars in the hands of Elon Musk or Jeff Bezos, is that something we really want to do? Do we really want a privatised Mars of gated communities? Martian tax havens, Tesla branded Martian rovers, or an Amazon HQ on the Red Planet? I'm not sure. But I am fairly excited about all that's going on at the moment. To end on a truly fascinating item, last Monday, Astronomers of the International Astronomical Union's Minor Planet Center announced the discovery of the farthest body ever observed in the solar system. They accidentally found it on November the 10th while searching for Planet 9, also known as Planet X, which I greatly prefer because it sounds much, much cooler. Planet X. And this happy error occurred whilst using the Subaru 8 meter optical telescope in Hawaii. Named Far Out or 2018 VG18, the dwarf planet is pink. Yeah, pink. A really fetching shade of dark pink round and has a radius of about 483 kilometers and is approximately 120 astronomical units AUs from the Earth. That is 24 AU further out than Eris, the second most distant minor planet, discovered in January 2005. Just for the sake of comparison, the brilliantly named Goblin, discovered in October, is occasionally even more distant, but that rather depends on its position in its elliptical orbit, which ranges from 65 AU from the Sun at perihelion, perihelion means at its nearest to the Sun, to 2000 300 AU at aphelion, which is the distance furthest from the sun. Oh, and by the way, I keep saying AUs, so I'm not sure if I've explained this in a previous podcast, but one AU is 150 million kilometers. That is the distance of the earth from the sun. So, all these objects are quite far away. Just Google Far Out, the furthest known object in the solar system, and you should get rather striking images. One, I'm assuming it is an artist's impression of Far Out. There's also a diagram to help you judge distances so that you can truly see how far out this dwarf planet is. It is extremely far, even from Pluto. I do think it's very exciting that they're doing this work looking for planet X, and they happened across far out, which just proves sometimes searching for something that may or may not exist can lead you to other discoveries, though I am hoping that Planet X exists. I mean, imagine something that massive at the farthest edge of our solar system. Some huge, monstrous beast of a planet. Sounds really cool. There is also another picture that you might see, and that is the original photographic plate which is refreshingly free of any color. It is just black and white because at those distances that's the only color that you can pick up and if you do manage to find that photograph there'll be a green arrow in the middle pointing to Far out, and it is absolutely tiny. It's probably one of the tiniest things in the photograph. And that is it for this show. Now I've got some editing to do, and it is already Christmas Eve. Now that we've come to the end of the tour, I hope you enjoyed that excursion around our little part of the universe. Perhaps we'll do it again soon. But it does really take quite a bit of fact checking. <laughs> I have actually done some graduate level astronomy, but it was fairly basic stuff and it was a while back. So doing this podcast has reminded me a little about that. And of course, Being a science fiction nut, I'm a space nut. This was enjoyable, but like I said, I've got quite a lot of editing to do. And it is way past two in the morning of Christmas Eve, and I want to get some sleep so that I can enjoy Christmas Eve. Enjoy Christmas Eve editing this podcast. (laughs) Maybe I'll have a piece of chocolate while I'm doing that. That is it. I suppose I could tell you the uptime of my PC, because I started doing that last time. I think it was last time, wasn't it? This time, the uptime is only two days, because I had to reboot, because this is Windows 7, and I had a monthly roll-up update, so of course I had to reboot. If you want to get in touch, Go to RoyMartha.com. That's R-O-Y-M-A-T-H-U-R.com. You can email me at Roy.Martha at gmail.com. I'm on Twitter at RoyMartha. Please review the show in iTunes and tell a friend about the show. This was episode 233, recorded on Sunday, the 23rd of December but ending on Monday the 24th of December Christmas Eve 2018 and the time at the end of the show is 0 to thirty five forty nine. Have a really great Christmas Eve and a really great Christmas Day unless I speak to you on Christmas Day I'm not sure that I will I'll see how I feel and bye bye for now Bye.